0: Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we begin a new series at the movies. In this series, we'll be looking at various movies and their themes, and then looking at what Scripture says about it. Today, Lead Pastor David Fossil has us look at Inside Out as we consider the impact our emotions and feeling have on our lives we're reminded by the Bible that we need to control all our emotions. Listen as Pastor Dave gives us some pointers on growing our emotional maturity as well as our spiritual maturity.
1: Well, good morning, Bay Hills. Grab the study guide that's in your program, and welcome to week one of At The Movies. Now, if you've never been to At At The Movies, one of our series here, it's one of the more popular series we do. Uh, that we repeat every couple of years. Uh, it's fun, it's different, it's creative. You get popcorn when you come to church. You know, some churches smell like incense. Ours smells like popcorn for the next four weeks, so it's a little different. But we're not up here just wanting to have fun, right? We're also going to be challenging you and, and, and motivating you based upon some of the themes we get from some of the movies. Uh, and then we're going to see what Scripture has to say, say about it. Now, every year that... Uh, every time that I do this series, I normally... Pick at least one of the movies and make sure it's an animated movie. As you know, uh, nowadays, animated movies aren't just for kids. Have you noticed this? Yeah. Right? The, the producers have done such a good job of adding themes and adding dialogue that entertains and speaks to adults as well. And the movie that we're going to look at today, produced by Pixar in uh, 2015, the movie Inside Out, is no different. So that's the movie we're going to be looking at this morning. If, now, how many of you have seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah. If you're a parent, you've probably seen it 15 times, right? You got it, and the kids watch it over and over again. And if you have not watched the movie, let me give you a quick synopsis. We're going to look at clip one and jump into our theme this morning. It's the story of an 11-year-old girl by the name of Riley. Now, Riley's got a great life going for her in Minnesota. That's where her family's living. But her dad gets a job transfer. Of all things, he moves to a job here in San Francisco, the Bay Area. And her life really just gets turned upside down. But the main characters in the movie... They're not Riley and her parents. The main characters of the movie are actually the emotions or the feelings that are at the control center of this little girl on the inside of her. And and that's what kind of operates Riley. And and it's a very creative little movie. And so what we're going to do is we're going to watch clip number one where these emotions are introduced to us. And then we're going to jump into our theme this morning, which is of emotions and feelings and what scripture has to say. So let's watch it. So, uh, Pixar has, someone has said Pixar did a great job years ago of giving bugs personalities and emotions. Then they gave toys personalities and emotions. And in this movie, they gave emotions personalities. And emotions. And uh, in, in, the, in the story, in the movie, there's, there's five emotions or feelings that are introduced to us. You just saw them on the clip. You've got disgust, right? You know what that is. You've got fear and anxiety. You've got joy, which is the one who kind of tries to micromanage everyone else. You've got sadness and you've got anger. Now, as you're, as you're looking at the screen, if you're putting down, writing down notes, here's the first thing I want you to write down. It's this idea that I, I want to encourage you not to ignore your feelings, don't ignore your emotions. Now, if you grab your study guide, I think I put it there for you. Yeah, look at right at the top there. I, I've kind of given you an overview of kind of feelings and, and the way we're supposed to think about them. Our feelings that they all have a place and a purpose. Our feelings that they are needed and they're valuable. Our feelings—they're all—they all can be positive and negative, and we'll talk about the negative just in a little bit here. Now, I, I get the feeling there's always a few, uh, especially if you're brand new to Bay Hills. You, you might be here thinking, "What the?" What the heck is going on at this church? A movie sermon? Really, that's what we're doing today? A movie sermon, right? Popcorn in church? By the way, at a theater, how much would have you paid for that popcorn, more or less? <laughs> like $7.50? So don't forget that when the offering comes around a little bit later or something, right? Huh? We're, we're, and on top of it, not only popcorn and movies, we're going to talk about feelings and emotions. Why can't you give me something more meaty like, like the Trinity, the authority of Scripture, the, the deity and the humanity of Christ. that I get some real meat with that, right? But feelings, how how lame is that, right? And if you're not careful, you go there because we Christians and in churches, we tend to minimize everything that has to do with emotions and, and feelings. Let, let me try and bring you back down a little bit to earth, and frankly, not just to earth, but back to what, what this book tends to suggest and teach about, feelings and emotions. Let me show you a verse. It's found in the book of Genesis, page number 1 literally in the Bible. And in Genesis we're being told uh, the following. It says so God created mankind in his own image. I want you to think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. I know you've heard it before, but nothing else is created in the image of God. Not plant life, not birds, not man- n- nothing. Animals, nothing or nothing is created in the in the image of God other than one thing. The pinnacle of creation, Man and woman. Only man and woman are created in his image. It says in the image of God he created them male and female. It, the idea there is you take this theological idea of the image of God and how it translates into your life, into my life, is that everything that is good within you, I mean everything, everything that is good within me can always be traced back to something good in God. Let me say that again. Everything that is good within you can always, every single time, be traced back to something that is good within God. Why? Because you and I are made in his image. That's why. So when you start to observe people, when you see good, you actually see a sliver of God. Now, the reality is, is that we've taken the good that God's given us and we've corrupted it. And, uh, th- that's our sinful nature, and so you have image of God and sinful nature, and you have image of God and sinful nature. And this seesaw that goes back and forth, thus the whole reason for the cross. But when God creates us, He creates us uniquely with different compartments. Let, let me show you some of the compartments. We'll put it up on the screen. You- you've got the compartment of, of-, of the spiritual. We spend a lot of time talking about that, not just because we're in church and we're supposed to talk about that in church, but no, the compartment that is our spiritual compartment or, or our soul or whatever, however you want to refer to that, it has the potential to influence every other compartment. Moreover, our spiritual compartment, it not only makes a difference in this life, but it makes a difference in the afterlife. So you, you really want to make sure you, you nurture that compartment. You want to make sure you get that right. But that's not the only way he created us. He created us with more compartments. So he also creates us with an intellectual compartment. You know why? Because God is smart. God is reasonable. God is logical. And he wants to create us in his image, and he gives us that compartment. Now, animals have some intelligence, but plants don't have intelligence. We are created in his image to think, because he's a thinker. He also creates us with a, with a physical compartment. Now, there has been times over the history of the church where some church leaders have minimized the body. Forget about the body, emphasize the spirit and the soul. Well, wait a minute, time out. The Apostle Paul says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, take care of it. Be careful how, what, what food you put into it, how much drink you put into it. Make sure you exercise. He creates you with a physical compartment. He also creates you with a social compartment, thus friendships, thus small groups and all of that. And the last one, he creates us with an emotional compartment. He creates us with the ability to feel. Question, why? Why does God create us with the ability to feel? Do you know why you and I have feelings? Listen very, very carefully. Because God has feelings. God has feelings. He's not some cerebral entity floating around in the sky that just kind of makes decisions logically without emotion. No, God has feelings. What happens to you? What happens to me? What you and I choose to do or not do what's happening on earth impacts him in terms of how he feels. You have to change your understanding and your theology of God because it impacts the image of God. Now, some of you, you know, we, we can look at the Old Testament, but that's a little harder. You know, the entity that is God, the, the, the personhood of God in the Old Testament. Let's, let's look at something that's much easier for us to identify with. The person of Jesus Christ. Now, the, all those emotions and feelings floating around in Riley's head at the control center, the headquarters of who she is, you, you, know, you know Jesus felt all the same things, right? Felt. The same exact thing. Let me give you some examples. Let's put them up on the screen real quick. Anger. Jesus experienced the feeling of anger. You know what's happening in Matthew chapter 21? Jesus gets ticked off. Because he goes to the temple. That's church back in the day for the Jews. He goes to temple and and he sees sees all the vendors in the church lobby, in the synagogue lobby, in the temple lobby. He sees what, what they have turned his house into. He sees how the, the, the religious leaders are trying to make money off of people instead, instead of trying to, to nurture them, instead of trying to connect them to God. And ooh, does he get ticked off. Ticked off. He overturns those tables. He goes crazy nuts. You know why? Because he feels anger. He also f- has the feeling of fear, anxiety. You know what's going on in, in Luke chapter 22? It's the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's hours away from him being arrested by the Romans and then the whole mess that is the beating and the cross and all of that. I mean, not fun. And it's fascinating to see what happens to him and listen to his prayer and to, to observe and, and read that he literally sweats blood. Sweats blood. Um, it's interesting. The only The only gospel writer to record that happens to be a physician, Luke um modern day um physicians doctors have told us that you you can you can sweat blood it's very very rare but we can sweat blood instead of just water essentially do you, do you know when we sweat blood there's only it only happens under very rare conditions you know when it happens extreme anxiety extreme fear Extreme stress. Uh, You might not like that word fear and to have this idea that Jesus experienced. Okay, call it anxiety, call it whatever you want. But you cannot argue with scripture that in that garden, he is going through a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety. It's not just him thinking theologically about the cross of Christ and redemption and the atonement. and all. That sounds so pretty. That sounds so nice in seminary class. But when you're in the Garden of Gethsemane, about ready to be arrested, beaten, and go to the cross, he has the feeling of fear and anxiety. He also feels disgust, Mark chapter 8. It happens over and over in Scripture. But Mark chapter 8 is one example. He is disgusted at a group of individuals called the Pharisees and the Sadducees disgusted because these religious individuals have turned religion into just that, into a religion instead of a relationship with God. And he's just downright disgusted at them. Disgusted. You also see in John chapter 11 that he experiences sorrow or sadness. You know, when I was in youth group, you, all, you always like to kind of have fun with this one because this is, a, this is the shortest verse in Scripture. Jesus wept. Jesus wept, right? I memorized Scripture. There you go, right there. I, I, I'm a... But maybe it's so short because the gospel writer wants to emphasize that that God has feelings including sorrow, including sadness. Do you know why he's crying in that verse? One of his best friends dies. One of his best friends, a guy by the name of Lazarus, dies. And his response to not only that situation, but what's interesting is it's not just that Lazarus dies. He sees how it impacts his sisters. And it breaks him emotionally. Oh, intellectually, he knows what's going to happen in a couple verses. But he cries and he weeps. Why? Because God has feelings. And, And the last one, he experiences joy. Matthew chapter 11. You know that Jesus was accused of being a partier, right? He was accused of being a partier. Read the verse. Oh, my goodness gracious. After all your talks and after all your sermons, you're all out gallivanting with people, hanging out at the club, you know, drinking it up a little bit, having fun. Of course, the motivation behind that is he's trying to hang out with people who have not connected with God, with sinners, and trying to connect them. But he was accused of, you know, you just want to have fun. Read the scripture. You know, read the scripture. He's not just that serious guy. no. He's someone that enjoys life. Do you know why? Because God has feelings. He still has feelings today. And I was preparing for this. The whole mess in, in Vegas happened. How do you think God felt about Vegas? His feeling. I looked at that list. I I rather imagine... He ha- Have you ever had a situation where you have competing feelings at the very same time? Have you ever had that? My, my, my kids go off to college. I both feel proud as a dad. And I feel sadness because they're not with me as much anymore. And I feel joy because I see them growing up. And I have all these competing emotions at one event, Vegas. Do you think God was angry? Oh, I guarantee you he was. When you look at the emotion of anger, if it's the result of sin and the result of injustice, you should feel angry. In fact, if you're not getting angry at injustice, something's off a little bit. I wonder what he felt when his children experienced fear as those shots are coming down from they don't know where. You know what happens when, my ki- when I notice, I, you like this as a parent, when my kids are afraid, I'm afraid and anxious for them sometimes. I certainly know he felt sadness. You go, He felt joy. You know what? Some of the stories are coming out now of heroes. Not only first responders, but people who stayed with the wounded and people that were dying. Do you think that made God smile and joyful? He saw some good in people as a result of that. See, the point I'm trying to make is this. God has feelings. You have feelings because we are made in his image. Don't ignore your feelings. Don't ignore your feelings. You know, in church, we tend to emphasize truth right here. And we ignore feelings. I'll go back. Sorry, Stacy. Go back one second. If you look at that list, look at that list one more time. Um, have you noticed that sometimes in church, sometimes pastors, sometimes Christians, we emphasize one of those feelings more than the other? What is the feeling on those five that we emphasize the most? It's the last one, right? You've got Jesus in your life. You should smile. Come on, smile. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice Rejoice. Rejoice. okay now some of you haven't grown up in church think i just lost my mind what's going on here others of you are like see should we just sing that again no we're not singing that again right as a little chorus we used to sing what in the 70s and 80s rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice now it is based upon some verses in the book of philippians where paul says just that you are to rejoice in christ but but time out Time out, the way, the way Paul uses that word joy, it's very, very different than the way Pixar shows it in the movie. You know, when Paul says you as a Christian should, it should be someone that is joyful, he's not saying you should always be running around life smiling. You should always be running around laughing. You better have a good joke on you, you know, because you should be joyful. That's not kind of what the biblical word means. It is more an attitude. It's more a perspective on life. The only point I want to make is chill just a little bit. Yeah, we, we should be experience joy, but all those other ones that you see on the screen, those are just as legitimate. They're, they're just as legitimate. Moving forward, now we can move to that next screen. And I kind of, it's this, this kind of the repeat of what I just said. Don't stuff, don't ignore any. That's the blank. All caps, underline bold. Don't ignore any of your feelings. Now, based upon your personality, you're a little more melancholy or you're a little more positive or you're a little more negative or you're a little. That's just our personality. But that doesn't mean you don't ignore the spectrum that is our feelings, the spectrum that is all of our emotions. Don't ignore them. Don't don't stuff them. Right. Um, did you notice as the movie begins, if you've seen the movie, the narrator doesn't, doesn't even know, what, what does sadness do? Why are you here? What, what, what do you do in, for Riley? At one point in time, here, you know what? We're going to create the circle of sadness. We're going to draw, just stand right there. Just stay away from the control panel. We don't want Riley to feel sadness at all. That's not healthy, is the implication. It's the implication. There's one little scene in the movie where mom is talking to Riley. I literally wrote down exactly what she said. Mom says to Riley, they've already moved from Minnesota, which Riley loves, to San Francisco. And she says this. Thank you so much for being happy. Here it comes. Thank you so much for being happy for us. It has really helped me and your dad. Please keep it up for us. Now, I don't want to psychoanalyze the phrase in the movie, but I heard that. I remember the minute I heard that, I was like, ooh, that could really mess a kid up. That's what turns little kids into people pleasers as adults. Now, is there anything wrong with pleasing people? Absolutely not. Anything wrong with making other people feel good and happy? Absolutely not. But not if it means, which is what was happening in the movie, not if it means, Riley, I need you to stuff all your other emotions. Buck up and smile. I'm telling you, you will mess yourself up you start playing that game emotionally. You want you want to know the place that sadness has in your life? Well, I'll show you some scripture. There's a guy in, in the Bible called David. You, you would think he's kind of important. When, when, you're, when you're referred to as a man after God's own heart, I would think we should sit up and pay attention. A man after God's own heart says this in the book of Psalms 142. I cry out to the Lord. You ever been there? I cry out to the Lord. I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before God. I declare to God my trouble. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Attend to my cry for I am. I'm very low. I'm very well, that's not very encouraging. I'm not going to print that, put it on a T-shirt. That's not very fun. (laughs) But see, listen, listen carefully. That's life, isn't it? Sometimes. Sometimes that's life. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who grieve for they will be comforted. So the, the point number one, it may not sound very spiritual, but I'm telling you, if God makes you with certain compartments and part of your compartment is the compartment of emotion and feelings. Don't ignore it. That's all I'm saying for the moment. Don't ignore it. It's more spiritual than you actually think. Which leads us right into point number two. Write this down. It's time for some of us to work on EQ. Have you ever heard the term EQ? IQ is emotional quotient. You refer to someone who is really smart. They have a high IQ. By the way, have you noticed that people who have a super high IQ don't always have a lot of common sense? Have you noticed that? I mean, they're really book smart, but you don't drop them off in any neighborhood. Sometimes around here, they'll get mugged quick. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know why there's no overlap, but that's IQ. EQ is kind of a new study, and it it refers to emotional quotient. It refers to emotional intelligence. Now, it's in your study guide. I think we also have it for the screen. What is emotional intelligence? Look at it. It it is accurately uh, being able to perceive and understand my emotions, stop right there ask yourself the question what is your triggers what triggers fear what triggers anxiety what triggers stress what triggers sadness what triggers happiness what triggers pride what triggers loneliness what's your trigger what is it that happens who are you around that causes you to feel certain things Are you able to perceive that and understand that? Or do you just kind of go through life and let things happen to you as they come? To perceive your own emotions. To be able to understand, uh uh-oh, I'm starting to get fill-in-the-blank emotion. To be able to self-perceive. The second part of emotional intelligence is to be able to accurately perceive and understand others' emotions. Are you able to look at someone else, to watch them, to listen to them, and think to yourself they're depressed, they're stressed, they're angry, whatever it is. Can you do that in other people? Can you do it in your spouse? Can you do it in your kids? Because it's an important skill. By the way, sociologists and psychologists tell us that bullet point number two, identifying and seeing other people's emotions is easier for us than self-identifying. We're much better at being able to look at someone else and go, oh, they must be feeling uh, than be able to identify it in ourselves. It's very interesting. But the bottom line is whether it's me perceiving my own emotions or me perceiving your emotions, the third bullet point is the key. Once you perceive and understand your own emotions or someone else's emotions, do you have the maturity to respond in a positive fashion? Do you or don't you? Clip number two is all about emotional intelligence. It freaked me out when I saw it. I went to a seminar on this stuff. It's very interesting. But up until this particular clip, all we see is Riley's emotions. And they're at the headquarters, the control panel, you know, disgust and fear and sadness and all that. They're working her. And at this one scene, they're at the dinner table. All of a sudden, mom's emotions get involved. Then dad's emotions get involved. I want you to watch and notice the interplay. Are they able to perceive their own emotions? Are they able to perceive their daughter's emotions Do they respond in a mature fashion? Watch and then we'll talk. (laughs) Oh, it's a fun little clip, isn't it? It's very entertaining. By the way, this next series after At the Movies is a series on marriage and family. So just be looking (laughs) forward to that. It is. It's funny and entertaining, but if we're honest, it's also troubling. You ever done that? Ever done that? You ever, ever allowed your emotions to control you ever re- overreacted with your spouse and your kids? You see, I, I don't want to take the fun out of the movie, but what just happened, it isn't real fun in real life. And if we're talking about emotional intelligence, let's just go there. Did, did they, did they accurately perceive their own emotions? Were they accurately perceiving and understanding their daughter's emotions? Did they respond in a mature fashion? XXX absolutely not. See, I, I, I'm not up here uh, talking about EQ. Is not me being aware of current literature and everything. There's an important spiritual component to this. It's it, it may be the most significant thing we're talking about this morning. And here it is. It's actually impossible to become spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Let me say that one more time so it sinks in. It's impossible to become spiritually mature, which I'm assuming that's why you're here. You didn't come just for the popcorn. You cannot become spiritually mature while at the same time remaining spiritually immature. So I wrote wrote down a bunch of examples. You, You can't be super volunteer at church and then go home and blow up at your family not going to work you can't be a church leader but be uh insecure self-centered and not know why you get so defensive all the time you can't be that person that memorizes all the books of the bible and you could spout them off real quickly but you have no idea how to control your temper or how to deal with your own discouragement and depression It's not going to matter if you're super disciplined having your devotional life, but you're undisciplined at the words that come out of your mouth. You can't be that person that worships and prays and sings real loud and tithes, but then you go to work and you're passive aggressive with your co-workers and your boss. Oh, snap. I thought we were going to have fun today and watch Pixar movie. Let me just say it one more time, make sure it sinks in. You cannot... Become spiritually mature, who you want to be, who God wants you to be. And at the same time, be emotionally immature. There's a cap. So if you're on a scale of one to ten, if you're a six from an emotional maturity standpoint, what some theologians are now saying, you're not going to get past six spiritually either. You know why? Because it's when I say compartments, it's not different rooms. They all overlap. They all overlap. So your anger is literally a spiritual issue. Your pride is a spiritual issue. Your joy is a spiritual issue. On and on and on. So what do I do? Well, real quickly, write these three things down. You need to understand your emotions. Control your emotions. Learn to express your emotions in a mature fashion. Now, I I wish I had a little more time. Again, the nature of the series is a little different. We'll get to verse by verse. You know me. But I got some extra verses on your, on your study guide you might want to look up. But when it comes to understanding your emotions, I'm just going to pick one. It's the easiest one to illustrate quickly, anger. It's one of the emotions that we all have that Riley had. Um, one of the things in terms of understanding, Paul says in Romans 12, think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, he says, be honest about yourself. Don't don't think of yourself too highly than you ought And don't think of yourself more more lowly than you ought, right? Don't be prideful, but then also don't think of yourself like you don't have anything to contribute. Be honest about yourself, about everything. Be honest about what you contribute. Be honest about your spiritual gifts. Be honest about your emotions. Be honest. Understand, and I'm going to go right back to it. What's your trigger? What's your trigger? In other words, let's, let's stay with anger. What makes you frustrated? What makes you angry? And then the follow-up question is this. Here it comes. Watch. Is that really something I should be getting angry about? Is that really something I should be getting frustrated about? So let's just take driving are we really going to lose it on the highway? Sounds like the Holy Spirit's working right around here. It sounds like right in this section right here. I, I'm not saying that people don't do boneheaded things on the, on the road. I, I'm not. But are you? Does that Just show me. Show me where that qualifies. Give me one verse that suggests that maybe it's okay to lose it on in your car because of someone the way they drive. How about when someone, you know, at the supermarket 12 items or less they got 36 Is that's where we're going to lose it right there <laughs> and you're like well <clears throat> i don't do what the, the little guy in the bottom right does i'm much more sophisticated yeah that's right you bury it or you suppress it or you're passive aggressive which is just as hurtful just as harmful just as ungodly it doesn't matter if you don't cuss Are you really going to lose it emotionally because your kids don't pick up their clothes in their room? Now, kids, before you get too quickly, I do think you should have a clean room. I, as a parent, I have rules for my kids. It's one thing to have a standard, but are you going to lose it emotionally? That's what I'm after right here. Is that a trigger worth getting upset over? You can give a consequence. Understand yourself. Why do I get angry? What does it require for you to experience happiness and joy? Why does it take so much to get you to smile? What you're getting sad over, is that a good trigger? What you're worried about, is that a good trigger? Understand yourself. Look at yourself with sober judgment. You don't have to pay $95 or whatever it is to sit down with a therapist. Start with yourself, figure it out for yourself. Second of all, control your emotions. I could have given you a dozen verses, literally a dozen verses on anger and controlling your anger. The Bible says you can control your anger. You should control your anger. You need to control your anger and all your other emotions. Well, they made me. No, can't say that. Well, I did that because they. No, can't say that. You chose to express anger. Oh, yeah, sure, they contribute, but you can control it. You need to control it. How, how do I do that? Right? Well, it comes down to that last one. Learn to express your emotions in a way that's positive or healthy. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we're allowed to be angry, but don't sin. You're allowed to be frustrated, but don't sin. So how do you do that? Well, just let's think it through just with this one, Right? Watch your words. Some of you, some of us have already lost just by the words that come out of our mouth. They're wrong. They're inappropriate. They're not godly. Watch your volume. You don't have to express your anger at volume nine. That's not wise. Watch your tone. Watch your timing. You want to know what Proverbs says over and over and over again about Anger don't express it right away Something frustrates you take a breather count to ten do what you got to do wait a couple days Then choose to express your anger What happens a lot of times is one you've had a chance to think it through reason it through sometimes it just fades away Have you ever noticed that? You realize that ah, maybe I was just tired. Maybe I overreacted. Maybe they were having a bad day, whatever Watch your words Watch your volume Watch your tone Watch your timing. Last one, watch your motivation. Why are you angry? Question. Is it because you're self-centered? Or is it because you're other-centered? Well, I want to watch that show. I want my life to go smoothly. But why are you getting angry? Is it really reasonable for me, for me as a soccer coach to get that upset at a referee? Let me think this through. What do you think? Does it matter that much? If one of my girls can't trap it or can't pass it right now as a coach, I may want to challenge them and motivate them, but anger is that, is is that where we're going to go? See you and I are responsible to understand our emotions. You and I are responsible to control them and you and I are responsible to express them in a godly fashion. Remember, you cannot become who you want to become spiritually until to some extent you control yourself emotionally. Okay, seems a little more too convicting. Let's move on to point number three. Point number three is emotions can't always be trusted. Emotions can't always be trusted. Riley's first day of school goes poorly. Family time in San Francisco goes poorly. Tryouts for the hockey team go poorly. Everything stinks. So you know what her emotions do at the control panel? They start to suggest to her that she should do something that's not good, that's not wise, that's not helpful. It's the perfect example of you can't and shouldn't always trust your emotions. Now, this next is a combination of two clips. So uh, after clip number one, they might be a little pause, but let's watch these two little clips together and then we'll talk. We could just watch the whole movie. If the sermon's not that good, we just want. The prophet Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. Proverbs chapter 28, Solomon says he who trusts his own heart is a fool. Riley starts to listen to her emotions and she makes the decision, I think I should run away. Have you found that, or would you agree with me that feelings are powerful? Have a lot of clout? With what we do, what we say, where we go, our, we are heavily influenced by how we feel. But would you also agree with me that sometimes, many times, our feelings are fickle? They're fickle. It's like two friends that are talking to each other, two girlfriends, and one of them says to the other, says, uh, I am so sorry, I heard you broke off the engagement with Tom. What, what happened? And the, the other girlfriend says, I just, I, my feelings for him changed, so I had to break it off. And so the other one says, oh, well, that, does that mean you're going to give the engagement back ring back. And she goes, Oh no, my feelings for the diamond ring. Haven't changed at all. I'm going to keep that to myself. What do I do? Let's wrap this up. What do I do? Because you got to be careful with your feelings. Number one, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now, I want to be fair and say that when the scripture refers to our heart, it's not just talking about our feelings, the way the, the movie portrays it and the way, you know, we sing about it and talk about it. Our heart is where, what has feelings. But in the Bible, the word heart means literally all of your control center, which includes your your intellect and, and, and your emotions and your will. It's all in there. That's what it all means by heart. OK, so that's important. But you see what what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else. In other words, think about that. Most important, what you want to make sure and do is guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Everything you are as a person comes from the control center of who you are, your intellect, your emotions, your will. Guard it. Isn't it weird? We we, we go to extremes to guard uh, our homes, put alarm systems on. We guard our bodies, right? And gluten free or whatever it is. We guard our, our cars. Remember, we used to have the club, but we don't need that anymore because our alarm systems on even cars are so good. We guard our money. We put it in a bank. Heck, even some of us guard our lawns from bugs and so we put pesticides on it. We have, we spend absolutely no time thinking about how to guard our heart. And yet scripture says if there's one thing you better get right, if there's one thing you must absolutely do, is guard the control center of who you are. Guard your emotions. Guard your intellect. Guard your will. Protect it. From what? Well, what bugs are to my lawn, sin is to your soul. Guard it from sin. That's the weeds that that are going to grow up in your soul. Guard it from sin. Protect yourself from sin. Repetitive sin in our lives that we just kind of allow to go unchecked is corrupting the headquarters of who you are. Protect yourself. Guard yourself. One more point. How do I do that? Renew your mind. You say, wait a minute. I I thought we were talking about feelings. Why are we talking about the mind now? Well, the movie accentuates feelings. That's that's the, the middle word, right? And how we feel impacts what we do. But you know, what the movie doesn't talk about and what scripture talks about is that there's one domino before feelings. What impacts your feelings is what you think. What you think impacts how you feel. And what you feel impacts what you do. If you want to impact your feelings, you've got to go back and influence your thoughts. Does that make sense? It's the domino effect. Right? So y- you've got to impact how you think real quickly i've given you the references in your study guide but there's three or four verses that i want to point out to you solomon says in proverbs 23 as as a, as a man as a woman thinks in his heart so is he so it's that same idea what you think impacts is what you feel impacts what you do whatever it is that you think eventually will seep out in terms of what you do and what you say what you think Will always result in what you do. Who you become as a person. That's why Satan works over time. To get you to believe his lies. Because if he can get you to believe something. That is untrue about yourself. Untrue about God. Untrue about life. Guaranteed. You and I will mess up life all on our own. He doesn't have to work any more. More than just influencing our minds. So the way. God counteracts that. As he says, you and I, Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 10, have to take captive every thought. What you think about life, what you think about God, what you think about the feelings we've talked about today, anger and sadness and joy, does, do they coincide with this? Because if they don't, you've got to go back and, and retweak them, refix them. Take captive every thought. Analyze your thoughts. Do they match up with what God says about life, what God says about you? Paul, to wrap it up, says in Romans chapter 12, I want you to be transformed. That's the whole idea of Christianity, right? I want you to change. I want you to be transformed. How do you do that? By go to church as much as you can. Doesn't say that. By, by make sure you volunteer here, volunteer there. Doesn't say that. Make sure you tithe. Doesn't say that. You want to be changed? You want to really be transformed? How do you do that? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. This whole idea of feelings, this whole idea of emotions, guard the control center of who you are. How do you guard it? Renew your mind. And I know of no better way to do that than this book. I don't know any other way to do it. To think correctly about myself, to think correctly about God. So I just, again, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. You can't have just one spiritual meal on Sunday in this book. You've got to get into it on a more regular basis. Let me wrap up. I referenced it a little bit before. You you and I can't always control what happens and what comes into our heart from a feeling standpoint. But you and I can control our actions. And the best example of that is Jesus. We already talked about what he was feeling in that garden. By the way, did did he feel, did he want to go to the cross? Yeah, not a chance. He wanted to tap out. God, is there any other way? Because the way I'm feeling about this now, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But you know what Jesus does? He understands you can't always trust your feelings. You've got to base life, you've got to base decisions and actions on truth. You've got to base it on the will of God for your life. Don't ignore your feelings. Be smart emotionally. Understand yourself, understand others. And be careful. Feelings can't always be trusted. God and his word always can be trusted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we wrap up our study time, um, who would have thought that this movie and this topic could actually make such an impact in our lives? Father, I pray that um, you would teach us to understand how you've made us with emotions and with feelings to respond in a positive, mature fashion. Father, I know for myself, one of the blessings this week as I study is to be reminded that you have feelings. Father, help us um, learn how to control our emotions. Help us learn how to express them in a mature fashion. Father, every one of us, there's so many of us here, we're all showing up here this morning to church with different life circumstances. And some of us have had really good weeks and some of us not so good weeks. And part of how we respond to life is through our feelings. Help us to respond maturely. We love you. We are so incredibly grateful that your word has something to say to us, even about how I experience emotion. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen.
0: It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast, or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.